Welcome to the first episode of the first season of The Trust Show. I'm your host, Joram Solomon. I decided that instead of starting with the standard introduction, what I'll start with is a full content episode, just like any episode you will see throughout this show. In this episode, the first one, I'll talk about why are teams and teamwork so important? Why is trust important to the team? and to successful teamwork, how is trust correlated to the size of the team, and finally I'll close with what is the ideal team size. Welcome to The Trust Show. I am Yoram Solomon, researcher of trust and the author of The Book of Trust. In this educational podcast, I will challenge you to think differently about trust through the eight laws of trust and the six components of trustworthiness. I will share my own stories, experiences of others, trust research, and sometimes I will just reflect on a news item. Through all of those, I will show you how to build trust, be trusted, and know who to trust. So let's start. First, teams and teamwork are very often very critical to the success of the company. Let's start with creativity, which was the topic that I researched for my uh, doctoral dissertation. Teamwork, good teamwork is important to be able to bounce ideas. You need to be able to suggest an idea and then have another person on your team bounce that off and and tell you, you know, what's wrong with it? What how can it be better? Teamwork is also important for productivity. So think about this. Let's say that your capabilities is to lift 100 pounds. Let's say it's going to take you 10 seconds to lift 100 pounds. How long do you think it's going to take you to lift 200 pounds? Well, it's not going to be 20 seconds. It's just you can't lift 200 pounds. I assume you can't. I know that I can't. So it needs, you need to have more than just one person in order to be able to lift those 200 pounds. The next is the effectiveness and efficiency. Imagine what would happen if you're part of a team, but every member of the team needs to watch over their shoulders to see what the other team members are doing, to monitor what they're doing, have to know what they're doing. This kind of goes against the the whole idea of professionalism, of specialization, when every member of the team specializes in one thing. Now, every member of the team has to know what everybody else is working on just so that they can walk or watch over their shoulders and see what the others do. So what does make a team creative and productive? What I found in, in my own research is that the thing that makes them the most creative and productive and effective and everything else that's good is constructive disagreement. It, it's the ability to argue over things without this becoming personal and irrational. The, the alternatives to constructive disagreement would be a destructive disagreement where everything becomes personal or avoiding disagreement altogether, or, or, you know, office politics or the politically correct agreement where we have the meeting before the meeting, the meeting after the meeting, we just don't have the meeting during the meeting. 
in, in my own research, of my doctoral research, I found that the correlation between the dynamics of the team with positive dynamics means constructive disagreement and creativity, which was what I specifically uh, researched at that time, was 42.5%. So if team dynamics are more positive, creativity would go up 42.5% of that. Another research that I read, not mine, uh, I believe was done in 2015, showed that project performance would improve 45% when there is higher level of trust within the team. And this is specifically for project managers. Then in one of my surveys, what I found was that uh, when you have a low trust environment, people are 10 times more likely to state that they think the disagreement is unproductive, they don't feel comfortable disagreeing, or they avoid disagreement altogether compared to teams that have a high level of trust. So once again, low trust, you are 10 times more likely to say disagreement is unproductive, I don't feel comfortable, I'm avoiding disagreement altogether than what you would see in a high trust environment, which would be one tenth of that. What is required for constructive disagreement? I found three elements. I found it and, and that appears in, in other people's research and, and in literature. You need vulnerability. You need feedback. So vulnerability means that you need to be able to suggest stupid ideas, to, to ask stupid questions. You know how we're afraid of doing that, and, and that's when we're not vulnerable. So if you're vulnerable, you will suggest stupid ideas, and you will ask stupid questions. You need to be willing to give direct, unfiltered, unsweetened feedback to another person about their ideas, and you need to be receptive to those types of ideas, to, to, to feedback in, in general. So... Once again, when I compared high trust environments with low trust environments, what I found was that in a high trust environment, you are 240% more willing to be vulnerable, 106% more willing to be to give feedback, unfiltered feedback, and 76% more receptive to that feedback, just because you have a high level of trust. And once again, if you're willing to be vulnerable, give feedback, and be receptive to feedback, then you're going to be so much more successful in holding a constructive disagreement, which leads directly to productivity, creativity, efficiency, and effectiveness. And once again, the alternatives are when you micromanage other members of your team. So you have to watch over their shoulders and see that they're doing their part and that they know what they're doing. That That's a waste of time. It's when as a leader, you're asking your employees before they send an email outside of the organization to first run it by you. That's a waste of time. Imagine having to worry about hidden agendas. Then you're not going to feel comfortable being vulnerable in a meeting or providing feedback because you always worry about the hidden agendas that other members of the team would have. And you know, if you didn't have trust in the other members of the team, would you be willing to ask stupid questions? Just ask yourself, if I don't trust other members of the team, am I willing to be vulnerable? Am I willing to ask stupid questions? Am I willing to suggest stupid ideas? Am I willing to share anything beyond the absolute minimum? And if you're not willing to do that because you don't trust the others, then how creative, productive, or effective are you going to be or, or your team? 
Well, in uh, my website, used to have a survey, kind of a quiz in the front page, and uh, it had 16 questions. And through those 16 questions, I kind of estimated whether people have a level of trust in their organization or not. And I asked them if they have people that they can trust. Well, the results were pretty scary. 18.3% of the respondents said that they didn't have a single person that they can trust in their organization. And those were not people who worked by themselves. And and to correlate it even better, in companies with more than 100 employees, 14.4%, one in seven people, said that they don't have a single person that they can trust. And when I asked about companies with more than a thousand employees, that number was smaller. It was 9.6%. But think about that. One in 10 employees in a company with more than a thousand employees said that they don't have a single person that they can trust. This brings us to the age old question. Does size matter? Well, When it comes to the relationship between trust and team size, yes, it does. I want to start with research that was done by a person by the name of Robin Dunbar, a researcher by the name of Robin Dunbar. He was a British anthropologist. And what he did was he correlated the volume of the neurocortex, easy for me to say, in my brain. Actually, he he correlated the ratio between the volume of the neocortex to the volume of the rest of the brain in different species and the size of their social group to the extent that he he could uh, estimate it. What he found was that humans had about 150 what he called casual friends. The number was actually 147.8, but uh, to stay within 95% of confidence, that number was, the range was between 100 and 231. Let's just keep it to 150, which was his average number. He called those casual friends. Now, when you start thinking about uh, your friends, who are your friends and what's a casual friend? So here is kind of the hierarchy and I'll stop from the bottom. I'll start with asking you a question. How many friends do you have on Facebook, right? Now, do you call them friends? How many of them can you trust? And obviously, and you'll see that when in future episodes, I'll talk about the first law of trust, which is trust is continuous. It's not just a binary thing, but how how much can you trust all of your friends on Facebook? Well, so what they found, what, what he found and with other researchers is that you have on average about 1,500 people who you can put the name to their faces. So you would recognize their faces. You would recognize their name. 500 people who he would describe as acquaintances, people that you know. So you know more than just putting a name to a face. 150 of those are casual friends. Those are people that you meet every now and then. Start thinking about your own network and and find who those 150 are. 50 of them he referred to as close friends. So, you know, people that you can rely on or trust more than the others. 15, he referred to as sympathy friends that, you know, it's yet a higher level. Five are what he referred to as close support. Those could be your immediate family, your closest friends, 
people like that that you can trust and rely on for the most important things, the most critical things to you. So it's it's kind of the rule of three, if, if you think about that, going from five close support to 15 sympathy, 50 close friends, 150 casual, 500 acquaintances, 1,500 that you can just put a name to a face. And you may have more than that on Facebook or LinkedIn uh, who you will not even be able to put a name to a face. Think about something else. Military units, military units, the elite units really operate in very small teams. If you think about Navy SEALs or Delta Forces, the operatives out in the field, they operate in very small teams. So, for example, a division would be about 1,500. A battalion would be about 500 soldiers. A company would have 150. A platoon would have 50. A squad would have 15. And a team would have just about five. And for the Book of Trust, I interviewed a former Navy SEAL by the name of Floyd McClendon, uh, who told me about... uh, about missions that he participated in and it was always part of a very small team of four or five soldiers who trusted each other at a very high level. The level of trust that you have in a team depends on how big the team is. It's actually how small the team is. I'll start with, there are three reasons for that. One is the amount of trust that you have is limited. And and I know that this can be a little controversial, and I promise that in one of the future episodes, I'll talk more about why I believe that the amount of trust that every person have to disperse or distribute among other people, and, and not just other people, which you'll hear later, is limited. And if it's limited, the bigger the team is, the less level of trust you will distribute to every single member of the team. So you have a smaller amount of trust in every person. The second reason is that you have less exposure to each member of the team. So if you think about it, if you're a member of a team with, I don't know, 50 people, how much exposure do you get to each individual team member? And again, later in a later episode, when I'll talk about the uh, components of time, the amount of time that you spend, the frequency in which you spend time with another member, or the level of intimacy, or how close and uh, do you meet in person, you're limited. This affects the level of trust, but you're limited in how much you can dedicate, how much time and intimacy you can dedicate to each member of the team if the team is large. So the larger the team is, the less time, the less intimate you can be with every member of the team. And finally, the reason that there is a lower level of team of, of trust in a larger team is because there is a higher probability of having an untrustworthy member, at least somebody that you don't trust. Maybe others on the team do trust that member, but you don't. And I'll just ask you this. Imagine yourself being part of a team that's just you and one other person. And that's a person that you trust very much. Are you willing to be vulnerable or how vulnerable are you willing to be with that person? Pretty high, right? You're pretty willing to be vulnerable with that person. What if there are four members in that team you trust three of them? Well, you trust two of them. You're one. You trust two of them very high, but the last one you don't trust very much. 
How vulnerable are you willing to be with that entire team? Well, the answer is that your level of vulnerability, your willingness to give feedback and your receptivity to feedback depends on the lowest level of trust that you have in any single member of that team. It's like a chain is as strong as, you know it, its weakest link. So the bigger the team, the higher the probability that you're going to have a member in that team that you don't trust. So how is the level of trust dependent on the size of the team? The bigger the team, the less trust you have to distribute among the different members. So the less you trust each member of that team. The bigger the team, the less amount of time, the less intimate you can be with every member of the team, less trust that you have in each member. The bigger the team, the higher the probability that you don't trust one of the members of that team and you're not going to be willing to be as vulnerable, which is important to creativity, productivity, and effectiveness. You're not going to be as willing to be vulnerable when that member of the team is there. Let me summarize this session. First, teams and teamwork are critical to creativity, productivity, effectiveness, and efficiency. The second is that trust is important to the team to achieve those components. Without trust, you're not, your team is not going to be creative, productive, effective, or efficient. Now, team at trust increases as the team size reduces or there is a higher probability of higher levels of trust in a smaller team than the probability of high level of trust in a large team. Which brings me to the last point, which I promised. What is the ideal team size? Well, first of all, it depends on what the team is supposed to do as a team. As a result of that, it depends on the level of trust that you need in the team to achieve that goal. If this team is involved in something that does not have high risk in it, does not require a high level of trust, then that's fine. The team can be big. But when you have a team that faces a high level of risk, maybe a high level of fear, you need a high level of trust to compensate for that. And for that, you're going to need a smaller team. Now, the team can be too small. If, if the team is too small, it's not going to be effective, creative, or productive. You don't benefit from having multiple ideas. You don't benefit from having multiple people trying to lift the weight that, that the team is charged with. If the team is going to be too big, then you're not going to have enough trust. There's not enough airtime for every member to, to express themselves. Uh, you're going to split the trust among different, uh, different members of the team. So I started looking at articles that talked about the, the size of the team, the ideal size of the team. Oddly enough, none of them talked about trust as being a factor, and I'll talk about trust. The common wisdom, I found numbers between 5 and 8, 4 and 9, 5 and 9, 5 and 12. I even found articles that talked more specifically about 5 being the ideal number. One article, one research article stated that the best number is 4.6. Uh, which is kind of not feasible. Everything I said above in my personal experience suggests that the size for high trust, high performance team would be five. 
five would be the ideal number for a high trust team. What if the task is bigger? What if five people are just not enough? What you need to do is break the team into teams of five. Every team of five, the, the task that you allocate to, to every team of five is going to be one that, that is appropriate to that size of team, but you have to break the team down to smaller teams of five. So you're going to have a core team in every area and an extended team where you're part of a larger team. But that's not enough. I mean, size is not enough. You need to make sure that you have all the elements that will contribute to building trust in that team. And again, more of more on that in later episodes of this podcast. And finally, even if you have all the components, you still need to make sure that you spend time on building trust in that team. You have to build team trust. You can't just put the team together, say the team has the right size, it has the right components, and therefore it's going to have high trust. No, you have to actually build trust in that team. In the next episode, I will give you the official introduction to this podcast. I will tell you what to expect, how often will I publish it, and most important, what you will get from it. I hope you got a taste of uh, the podcast from this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you liked this podcast episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get new episodes. But I also ask you to rate it and write a review for this podcast. Those things, those ratings, they don't only help you, but also others who are looking for a podcast just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. Thank you for listening.